What is up, my dudes and ladies? How are you doing? You are listening to Human Dialectic. This is the Dialectic Bulletin series where I touch on the news or whatever is running in the headlines or may not be in the headlines. It is supposed to be a weekly <laughs> weekly uh, series, but you know, sometimes things happen and, uh, you know, I feel bad every time that I, I disappear for a moment, but it's just due to traveling. It can be very difficult to do this and travel and edit and so forth, but I'm not here to make excuses. I'm here. I'm back. And I have been monitoring the news feeds and there have been some very, very interesting, intense uh, items, subjects that have been pushed through the newsfeed. I don't know how all of you are feeling. And remember, this is midterm election year. All right. We are probably less than three weeks away from Americans voting in the midterm elections. And it seems as if things continue to intensify every week. It's getting crazy. I know I say that so much. It's like a redundant statement and maybe it's losing its effect, but things really are intensifying. Things feel as if they are accelerating, but I will say that I feel quite uh, uncomfortable that we haven't seen anything, I guess, significant emerge, you know, the banks have been giving out some warnings that something is about to happen, something that we've never seen before. I know there have been other circumstances or situations that are happening in other countries. You you have Europe in general dealing with an energy crisis. I mean, the whole world is dealing with an energy crisis. It's just at varying peaks or degrees. So we are going to touch on a lot of these themes because we are all feeling as if something is wrong, that we are off course. And there are still some people who are going to turn a blind eye or they are not paying attention at all. You are not one of those people because you are absolutely tuning in to understand what you are missing. And I'm doing the best that I can, but I just know that there's only so much information that people can consume. I mean, it is just mind blowing. It is exhausting. I'm telling you. And sometimes you need to take a break. I mean, it is great to to hear this or to deliver this every week, but you all should at least engage with loved ones, with your friends, with your families, go out for a walk. I know the winter is coming and we're going to be inside uh, pretty often. The holidays are coming if we're able to enjoy the holidays. But you got to take a break from all of this. It, it can be very disturbing and unsettling. But I'm just ranting here. I'm just saying that you know it's very important to be informative, but it it sometimes is as more important for you to check out for a little bit. So we're gonna get into these topics. We're gonna get into the economy. We're gonna get into energy. We're gonna get into the midterm elections. We're gonna talk about some. Uh, events that have taken place the past couple of weeks dealing with LGBTQ, you know, whatever alphabet comes after that. We're also going to talk about the whole White Lives Matter scandal 
Alex Jones and his verdict of $1 billion. I mean, this is all related. All right. The same puppet masters are pulling all of the strings. It seems as if this is all isolated, but it's not. And that is what I want to present to all of you is that, yes, these are just little pieces of the puzzle. If you're able to put them all together, you realize that there's a bigger agenda at hand. And there's a small group of people, elites, puppet masters, um, the industrial complex, military industrial complex, uh, globalists, whatever term you want to use to label these people, they are the ones who are manipulating the economy, the markets, everything. So we're going to touch on that. But what is the theme? What is what is something that I want to first touch on that has been very, very critical on my mind? It's been heavy. What should you know since you are tuning in to understand what the hell is going on? Let's first talk about the midterm elections that are coming up. Now, if you're somebody who's not fully informed uh, about your regional uh, candidates, you know, maybe you want to uh, just become familiar with those individuals because they will be representing you. I am not saying that voting is, well, let me backtrack. Voting is a right that a lot of other nations do not offer to their citizens at least in the way that we have voting here in the United States, it is very unique because that is a right as a citizen and you can vote for your political leaders at the local level, the state level, and at the federal level. But I I have my opinions about the presidential elections because those are very rigged. And I'm not just talking about this last election, but for the past couple of elections, we can definitively confirm that not only are most, if not all of the presidents uh, are related, but they are also picked. But I'm digressing. That's besides the point. The midterm elections are coming up and this is big because we have seen for the past couple of years, a shift in the American mindset. I know with Obama coming in, a lot of people felt like this was a great opportunity to see change. And boy, did we see change. It was not the change that most Americans were looking for. All right. Things really slowed down. You saw an increase in the uh, racial tension. You you saw a, a huge wave of crime occur under that administration. We saw some very, very illegal government actions taking place. And so that continued to unfold. The corruption accelerated. I mean, that there was corruption prior to that, but the corruption accelerated. Then you saw Donald Trump come in. People thought that this was going to be it. This He was going to be our lifesaver. I'm not the one that is saying that. I'm just saying that other people thought that he was going to save the country. And that's quite a big, big responsibility. But you saw how the media treated Donald Trump. You saw how the justice system treated Donald Trump. And even today, how they're treating him and his family. And so you know that one person cannot save this country. What am I saying here? I'm 
giving you all this information to lead up to how people are going to vote in the midterm election in a couple weeks. People are fed up. The economy is in the freaking hole. It's a shit show. It is horrible. Everything is being propped up. Remember, in 2008, that was when things were supposed to collapse and it didn't because the banks got bailed out. And so now, almost a little over a decade, I should say, not almost, over a decade later, we are going to be dealing with the ramifications of what the banks did and what the government decided to do. Oh, and I will mention that Donald Trump did bail out a lot of the Fortune 100 companies. They should have failed. During COVID, they should have failed. But guess what? They got money. And guess who's being screwed? The average American. And when I say average American, I'm really talking about the middle class. Middle class, uh, anyone who is in the the lower class, it, the working class, I should just say. I mean, anybody that is not a one percenter or an elitist is being screwed. And so emotions are very high. People want to go in the right direction. They want to see this country go back to what it was. But I really don't know what that was because it really wasn't good. I'm not saying that whatever we had here in the U.S. was not good. I mean, it's better than anything anybody could possibly imagine in other nations. All right. We have our problems here. However, we have to stop thinking as if going back into the past will make things better. We need to create our own system. We need to create our own currency, though I believe, I fully believe that we may not need to have currency if we had free energy, and that is very possible. We need to create our own education system, our justice system. It has to be the working people who will do this. We cannot give our power to these political figures who are sold, bought out. They're straight up prostitutes of the elites. They do whatever they are told to do. And they're giving us the impression that they're actually doing something. These people have been in Congress for over 20 years on average. Do you know the average congressman or woman's age is like in the 70s? That's insane. So I'm saying all of this because There will be a lot of riled up emotions. People are triggered, whether good or bad, or I should just say for the right reasons or the wrong reasons. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about in this episode is going to be the defining factor in the midterm elections. I mean, I thought we weren't going to have a midterm election. It looks like we may, but I don't know what the elites have in mind. I don't know what this Biden administration, which is really the Obama administration, has in mind. If things don't work out the way that they wanted to, I will say as as 100% certainty, with 100% certainty, that the economy is going to collapse. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen. And if you're not into astrology, because the elites study the astrologies very, very intensely. And a lot of what they do is based off of numerology, um, the stars, when they could harvest the 
largest amount of energy that comes through this planet. I know this is kind of beyond what you're you're used to. There is a date and I don't like to give dates, but there's something called a Mercury retrograde, which is supposed to begin December 29th. Now, you already know that there is a Pluto's return that is happening right now. What does that mean to the average person? Well, if you are not into astrology, what that really means is that the last time that Pluto made its return to the exact same spot was on July 4th, 1776. (laughs) Yes, that was the last time Pluto made its return to the exact same spot. And how ironic that it is obviously America's birthday. Now, what does that mean? Pluto is not really a planet, or at least in astrology. And again, I could be butchering this, but it's not necessarily something about destruction, but it's more about rebirth. So for the average person, it means that something has to be destroyed in order to bring something new to the surface. I personally am not taking this lightly, this information lightly, because I know that the elites follow this information and Pluto's return is supposed to last two years. And you can see that there's a lot of turmoil happening, not just here in the States, but all over the world. So this is big. We are in some really, really critical times in the history of humanity. That sounds so out there, but it is very true. And the midterm elections is really just a microcosm of a much larger thing that's happening right before our eyes. Maybe I'm wrong here, but let me just stop giving you my opinion and just read what has been circulating in the news so that it gives you an understanding as to maybe how you should vote. Okay, I'm not going to tell you how to vote, but maybe these are factors that you should consider because they're going to hurt you. And they will hurt you if you don't think or choose wisely. So let's begin with this first article by J.P. Morgan Chase's CEO, Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon, you need to pay attention to, despite the fact that he is a banker and he has been in that CEO position for a very long time. He knows what's going on. He speaks to other banks. He also speaks to the elites. He's also in very close contact with the Treasury Department, okay? Those are all really big things that you need to to consider when we talk about Jamie Dimon. As much as I don't like him, I don't know him personally, but knowing how the banks operate and how they've screwed people over through and through, hey, I have my personal opinions. But the reason why I'm bringing... Jamie Dimon up is because he is sounding the alarm and this shouldn't be news to you but you have to understand the psychology behind this the banks the CEOs we had FedEx's CEO come out and say that things are really looking bad you know brace for impact you've had several other banks give their analysts or 
speak to their investors and say things are not looking good, the banks are usually the first to tell whether something is going to go south. But I think that is just to signal the alarm to folks who are paying attention um, because they will pull the plug. They'll pull the plug when they need to pull the plug. They are going to freeze assets. They are going to do exactly what they did in 2008, but 10 times worse. So Jamie has been, according to Yahoo Finance, has been sounding the recession alarm for some time now. And I'm going to pause here. We are way past a recession at this point. Okay. Remember the clip or at least the sort of argument between the press secretary of the White House, Karen Pierre-Jean, and the reporter and how the reporter said, listen, we've had two consecutive months where there was just a stagnation or a drop in growth. That alone should be a recession. But boys and girls, we're not in a recession. We are in a depression. So when Jamie Dimon says he's been sounding the recession alarm, we're way past that. They're lying to us. We are straight up in a depression mode. And you know that because war is about to start, if it hasn't started, in Europe. And that is the only way how banks and nations get out of the unsurmountable debt that they're in, the horrible economy, just everything, all of the above. So going back to this article, Jamie Dimon has been sounding the recession alarm for some time now, even giving it a timeline earlier this week. Dimon said on Monday he sees a recession coming in six to nine months, which to me sounds like it's going to come before the end of the year. He cited, when I say this, I mean probably the collapse. He cited the Federal Reserve's expected interest rate hikes going into next year, the lasting effects of the pandemic and the fallout from the war in Ukraine. From storm clouds to a hurricane, he's now echoing his previous concern that it's unlikely the U.S. economy will experience a soft landing and that it might be unable to avoid a recession at this point. Again, we are already in a recession. How many of you are feeling the pinch when it comes to inflation? I mean, heck, there are things that we used to buy last year for half the price. Certain things have gone up 20%, 30%, 40%, okay? Gas. Gas has tapered off a little bit, but I think that was due to the midterm elections and the government did not want people going into the midterm elections knowing that gas was high and they were not going to vote Democrat. So Jamie quotes, I don't know if it could be a soft landing. I don't think so, but it might, Diamond stated at a conference in Washington, D.C. on Thursday, according to Bloomberg. In a tough recession, you could expect the market to go down another 20% to 30%. All I'm saying here is that you all need to get ready. Yes, you can go to the voting booth and unleash your frustration. Go right ahead. I mean, I'm not holding you back on that. The problem is that voting people in will not stop the collapse. So you need to get your affairs straight. You need to get your money straight. You need to get your survival kit together because we are about to go through a very rough couple of years, all right? Get those 
hard skills, anything to do with your hands, you know, brush them up to speed, learn something new, go to YouTube because the banks are letting us know that it's coming. It is inevitable. This is not a fear tactic. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to inform you. It's just very alarming that I feel, I feel with every inch in my body that we are getting so close. They are waiting for the right time to pull the trigger when they can just pull the mat right underneath us, pull the rug right underneath us. And a lot of people are going to be taken off guard. A lot of freaking people. Now, before we transition, I do want to play this clip to help you understand how the economy works. And I think this is a great audio, the way that this YouTuber broke it down, because he explains how certain commodities in the market, or I just would say in in, in the supply, supply chain, kind of drive where things are going. And lumber is definitely one of them. You know, we look at milk, we look at wheat, uh, but lumber is definitely a factor because we use lumber to build homes and commercial properties. So we're looking at commercial and, and, and private properties. So he breaks down this information and it's so succinct that I needed to play this here. And once you understand this, you are going to understand everything else. So pay attention We are going to go back to school a little bit, but trust me, this is going to be a valuable point that you will never forget. Absolute biggest factor in determining lumber prices is the demand for lumber that comes from the U.S. housing market, and things are starting to change. Here is a graph of housing starts for the past few years, and here is a graph of new home sales for that same period. We peaked in 2020, but now both new housing starts and new home sales are lower than before the pandemic. Existing home sales have also decreased. According to the National Association of Home Builders in July 2022, existing home sales were down by 5.9% from the month before and down 20% from last year. Added to that are the high interest rates that we're seeing. Higher interest rates are meant to reduce the amount of money in the economy and reduce economic activity, all in an effort to slow down inflation. Here's the problem, however. As a society, we've really been living high off the hog. Interest rates have been low for so long, and there was so much stimulus in the economy as part of the pandemic relief efforts that the government took, and that's not just the US government, by the way, but governments all over the world, that inflation is at the highest point it's been in 40 years. The Fed has already raised interest rates a few times this year, and they're saying that they're gonna continue to raise rates until inflation is under control. In fact, the Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, recently said this. Reducing inflation is likely to require a sustained period of below-trend growth. While higher interest rates, slower growth, and softer labor market conditions will bring down inflation, they will also bring some pain to households and businesses. These are the unfortunate costs of reducing inflation. But a failure to restore price stability would mean far greater pain. The chairman of the Federal Reserve is talking about pain. Uh, That's never a good thing, nothing that we want to hear, but hopefully what they're doing is what gets us out of the inflation mess we're in. Really only time will tell. In the short term though, it makes everything bought on credit more expensive, including and especially home prices. The rate for a 30-year mortgage a year ago was less than 3%. Today it's over 6% and it's getting higher. That difference really translates into a lot of actual money. In fact, 
the difference in monthly payment for a $400,000 mortgage between now and a year ago is over $700 a month for the same house. That is why existing home purchases are down, why new home purchases are down, and why new home construction is down. All of these things lead to less demand for lumber, and that's why we're seeing the lower lumber futures prices that we're seeing now. Here's the other thing though, this time it's not going away. We are not going to see lumber prices shoot up like they did in the past. These prices are gonna stay pretty steady going into the future. So what does that mean then for the prices that we pay in stores and are we going to see those prices come down even further than they have? Well, there's a term in economics that refers to sticky prices. What it means for a price to be sticky is that it has a tendency to remain the same even if market conditions change. While I was out this week pricing some lumber for my next project, I noticed that prices have not really changed much in the past few months. Sheet goods are maybe slightly lower in some cases, but two by fours and other similar lumber are about the same as they were months ago. So how is that possible if lumber futures prices or the wholesale prices that retailers pay have fallen so much? Well, it's because those lumber prices are sticky. And while there's a few reasons why, I think the biggest has to do with the reduced demand for lumber and the way that lumber retailers account for the cost of their inventory. When companies purchase inventory, it gets recorded on the balance sheet as an asset. Once the inventory is sold, the asset is moved off the balance sheet and a sale is recorded on the income statement. The amount paid to acquire the inventory is recorded as an expense, and the difference between the cost to buy the inventory and the amount that the inventory was sold for is the profit margin or loss, depending. Now, I've never worked for a lumber retailer, and so I can't speak to exactly what their margins for lumber are, but I've heard that it's pretty low, something like 5%, which makes sense to me because lumber tends to be a high volume product. By that I mean most people are not buying one or two boards here or there, but they're buying hundreds when they go to build a home, for example. Now here's why this makes prices sticky. When lumber retailers were buying lumber back in March of this year, they were paying $1,400 per thousand board feet. Every time they buy new inventory, the cost of that inventory becomes the average of everything they have on hand adjusted for that new inventory they just pulled in and maybe some of the inventory they're selling. So even though they're paying much less now, the average price of their inventory is still pretty high until all of that older inventory gets sold off. The problem is that lumber demand has gone down, which means that they're selling less, and so it's taking longer to work through that older, higher priced inventory. So basically prices are sticky because lumber retailers don't want to take a loss on that inventory, and if they price it too low, that is what's gonna happen. Now the ironic thing about sticky prices is that they tend to be sticky only in one direction. And that's because lumber retailers are all too happy to raise their prices if they can. It's really on that back end if they're going to lose money where they are much more conservative and really fight against those price changes. I hope you're still around. I know that was a, a lot of educational material, but it's always invaluable. I always learn from other people, whether it's on YouTube or anywhere else, but he broke economics 101 down in such simple terms that this could be applied to what you're seeing in the grocery store or the shortage of cars at the car dealerships. Probably the most practical example is retail. Have you noticed that there have been a lot of sales 
Yes, that's because retailers are trying to get old inventory out. But the thing is, the demand has decreased. I know some people are still buying stuff on Amazon, but in general, most people are dialing back on their spending and you are seeing sales 30, 40%. I don't know if you have noticed, but Christmas merchandise had was already out by September. Okay, we haven't even had Thanksgiving yet. I know some folks celebrate Halloween, even though it's a pagan holiday. This is crazy, but it's also a clear indicator that things are really faltering. I mean, we we have been running on fumes. The economy has been running on fumes. Now, are there other indicators that are signifying that things are going south? And the answer is yes. Now, I'm in the tech industry, you know, during the daytime, and there have been a lot of layoffs. There have been very subtle layoffs, but layoffs nonetheless. You have to look at the tech giants and see how they are performing. Now, on this channel, I don't speak about Elon Musk. I think he is just another pawn that is trying to entertain the masses. Yes, he bought Twitter. I don't think things are really going to change radically, but I do know that there will be layoffs. I'm pretty confident about that. Twitter will have layoffs. Facebook, you know, had a a disastrous, I mean, I should call them meta, but it was a disastrous uh, launch opening of the metaverse. Nobody is really using metaverse. And now they're scrambling to figure out how they're going to make the metaverse profitable. How are they going to appeal to the masses? And quite frankly, are people really using Facebook? I mean, I know people are, some people are, but not a whole lot of people, or at least they have an an account and it's kind of dormant. But Facebook slash Meta has also been suffering in terms of their profit margins and their loss of users. So I know there's going to be a layoff. And even if you doubt what you read on Reddit, there have been rumors that there is going to be potentially a massive layoff coming very, very soon. The question is when. Finally, there was a interesting sort of webinar that took place. Bank of England. All right. Don't ever underestimate the European banks as well. And remember that London is the center of all banking, all right? The city of London, I should say, specifically, is at the center of all banking. And so according to Zero Hedge, they have an article, Bank of England to Global Markets, you have three days to sell all the things. This is a very interesting thing. So what happened? Well, the IMF has been slashing global growth outlooks and significant hawkishness from Mester refuting Brainerd's comments yesterday. Now, I will say that a lot of the bankers met in Washington, D.C. yesterday, or probably this past week. That is a very interesting thing. I know they have conferences that they typically hold in D.C., but it's not just about having conferences for those who are interested. Of course, that is where the federal government is located. But ultimately, there was a representative for the Bank of England, and this is what took place. 
And I quote, after doubling down on its pension fund bailout scheme, Bank of England's Bailey spoke in Washington this afternoon, initially warning that, quote, market volatility went beyond bank stress tests, then reinforcing that there is a, quote, serious risk to UK's financial system stability, unquote, noting that the buying program is, quote, temporary. Again, all of the banks are in lockstep with what they're saying. And apparently this individual, Bailey, stated, you've got to get this done. You have three days to sell all things. I have no idea why this man would. And if you recall, uh, people were joking that maybe his teleprompter was hacked. left. I talked about Deagle.com. If you're not familiar with that, Deagle, D-E-A-G-E-L.com. They've already scrubbed this, but you can find this on the Wayback Machine. They need to depopulate the majority of the world. And the United States is supposed to be depopulated to under 100 million by 2025. Again, you have multiple things running in parallel. You have the vaccines, you have the starvation, you have the economic collapse. Things are really going to get interesting, okay? (laughs) Very interesting. So this little joyride that we've been on, you know, it's going to come to an end. And I hope you all are smart enough to, again, start getting your affairs and your financial situation ready Of course, there will be no access to currency when things collapse, but you need to have some method. You have to maybe know how to negotiate, maybe have some some handy skills that you have not been able to utilize. The banks are letting us know, and it's not going to be their fault, according to them, if we don't acknowledge what's going on. We don't acknowledge that they're about to drive us off the cliff to them. That is our karma. That is how they think. So that was the economy news. All right. Pretty, pretty dire right there. There have been a bunch of other things that have been happening in regards to midterm elections. I understand that the Democrats tried to throw Herschel Walker under the bus or, uh, well, he's actually running as a conservative. But they use these tactics to try and defame you, to vilify you, bring things out from the past. And it just didn't work. It ended up pushing more people to give their money to Herschel Walker. And he ended up raising a record 350000 in one day. 
This is what I don't understand about the Democrats or even some of the elites that are in this this game. Like they keep using the same model, the same tactic every single time, and it's not working. People are seeing it. At least every single day, people are waking up. We also know that there is this individual, John Fetterman of Pennsylvania. He's trying to run for, I wouldn't say try, he is running for U.S. Senate and for the state of Pennsylvania. The problem here is that this individual had a stroke. He is not in the right, I should say, mental capacity to be representing his constituents. Let's just be honest. If somebody is sick, the man can't even complete a sentence. I'm not making fun of him. It is very sad that this is happening, that we can't find candidates who are healthy and have vigor and are, are very witty and smart and intelligent and can provide actual concrete solutions. We are being given people who are two steps away from the grave. I mean, look at Hillary Clinton, look at Joe Biden, now look at John Fetterman. I mean, list goes on and on and on. And yet there are still people who are going to vote for this man. The issue is that he just does not have the mental capacity at this point because of a stroke. He can't, you know, he's not going to apologize for his stroke but he should not be running, period. If you can't conduct an interview and it re- you require closed captioning and when the reporter asks you a question and you don't even answer it, you are literally responding with an entirely nonsensical answer. You are not qualified, period. You're not. So that's what's going on in Pennsylvania. I know Arizona's getting a little bit heated. I mean, it's all over the place. So maybe there will be a special episode on the midterm elections or at least the candidates who are running. I don't know, but that's what's happening. It's getting ugly. It really is. Now, speaking of ugliness, let's go to the news all over the world. And we're going to start in the lovely area of Europe. You know, it is being demolished one nation at a time. And of course, this whole conflict in Ukraine, I really don't know if Russia is getting their ass kicked. You don't know what is true. But we have seen recently that there were certain bombs going off in Kiev. Who's who's doing that? Is it the Ukrainian president Zelensky bombing his own people? Is it really Russia? We don't know. But we know that things are escalating. And now you're hearing in the news that there could be potential nuclear war. I am not saying that the elites are not capable of having a nuclear war. I know some people in the truther community think that no nuclear bombs exist. I actually do believe that they exist. The question is, would they be used? I don't know if it's going to get to that point. I don't know. We will see. (laughs) I don't know if we're going to be alive to see it. Uh, I don't want to test those grounds, but that's what's happening in Ukraine. 
So now let's examine the other nations in Europe. Though this happened several weeks ago, this is worth talking about because it's demonstrating a shift in the mindset. Italy has now voted Giorgia Meloni. I hope I pronounced her name correctly. But she is now the first woman ever to be voted in as prime minister of Italy. You would think that this is a huge accomplishment, but no, no, no. She was vilified in the media. They called her the next Mussolini. They called her a fascist. They called her a right winger. I mean, the <laughs> you, you can't make this up. You can see the script happening in real time. And if you can't decipher what's going on, I mean, I really can't help you. I really can't. Now, I don't know if she is a plant. Again, I have my doubts regarding the Canadian candidate uh, who's trying to outseat the existing prime minister, uh, Justin Trudeau. I have my doubts about him. I really don't think he's authentic. Now, Georgia, I don't know. She sounds authentic. She gives the presentation of a hardworking uh, woman, working class, right? You know, she came from humble, humble beginnings. And you can say she is spouting rhetoric, but she is definitely saying things that resonate with not just the Italians, but with majority of people around the globe. And I say majority because I know many people's mindsets are right now, even if they don't ever express it verbally. So they vilified her. And you have to think that either the elites are scared or maybe this is just pure theater. But anyway, we have an Italian prime minister or upcoming prime minister who is a woman and she seems to be taking charge. And here, you got to listen to this. Italy has a huge problem when it comes to immigration. There was a lot of illegal immigration happening. I mean, Italians are very proud of their heritage, very proud of their traditions, their history, their culture. And that was all being disseminated because essentially the government was allowing immigrants into the nation and they were not assimilating. And then you want to talk about COVID and and the lockdowns and so forth. So it was just a bad couple years for the Italians and they had enough. They had enough. So that's what happened in Italy. Moving on to the Nord Stream pipeline. Yes, this was a big one that I saw. And of course, we're not going to get the truth. We're not going to get full answers. But this was a big, big issue. Okay, I've been saying that the U.S. government has been poking the bear. Who is the bear? Russia. And Russia has been getting up close and personal with China. The United States cannot withstand two powers, two international powers in a war with China already having secrets to our technology, you know, blueprints to our technology. And then you have Russia with endless supply of oil, all right, and and other commodities. We don't stand a chance. 
I'm just telling you, it's just those superpowers, you cannot two against one. Are you kidding me? So the Nord Stream pipeline, what is it? Okay. It is an undersea pipeline that stretches 1200 kilometers, which is roughly 745 miles under the Baltic Sea from the Russian coast near St. Petersburg to northeastern Germany. It opened in 2011 and can send a maximum of 170 meters, uh, cubic meters of gas per day from Russia to Germany. Okay. Now, not too long ago, it blew up, just blew up. Okay. This is a pipeline that is underwater. All right. And something, or I should say somebody blew it up and now they're blaming Russia saying Russia blew it up. So listen to this. Russia has been reducing gas supplies through Nord Stream uh, 1 for a number of months. In June, it cut deliveries through the pipeline by 75%. In July, Russia shut it down for 10 days, citing the need for maintenance. When it reopened, the flow was halved to 20 cubic meters a day. In late August, it shut down Nord Stream 1 entirely, blaming problems with equipment. The pipeline has not been open since then. Now, how was the pipeline damaged? In late September, Norway and Denmark reported four leaks in both the Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines in the Baltic Sea near the island of Bornholm. Seismologists say that they detected explosions under the sea in the same area. The pipelines were filled with gas at the time, even though the gas was not flowing through them. So if that wasn't suspicious enough, the European Commission said, or at least the head of the European Commission, said the pipelines were probably sabotaged, but both the EU and the US have stopped short of naming Russia as the culprit. Russia has denied responsibility. So who's playing games here? Okay, somebody blew it up. Now, how is it hurting Europe? Europe, and in particular Germany, has become increasingly reliant on Russian gas to meet its energy needs. Over the past year, Russia has cut its gas supplies to EU states by 88%. (laughs) 88%. So where are they getting their gas from? I mean, where else, right? You know, Russia is one of the dominant suppliers of gas. I know Canada supplies gas, the U.S. does, but the U.S. basically cut off its own damn pipelines. It's just like cutting off your hand, right? You have Venezuela, uh, you have the Middle East, but Russia is responsible for supplying a lot of that gas to the European Union. And now 88% of that flow has been cut off. Wholesale prices of gas in Europe have more than doubled over the same period. Gas prices have risen by a similar amount in the UK, even though it imports no gas from Russia because the shortages have severely affected the international gas market. The high price of gas is affecting household budgets across Europe and driving up costs for manufacturing firms. This could cause slowdowns in European economies and accelerate the route towards recession. Again, we are already in a recession. They're just playing mind games here. 
the people who get hurt the most are the middle and working class, period. And I don't know if there's anyone out there who still supports the idea of going to war with Russia, but I hope you just heard what I just said, what I read regarding the consequences of this. We are moving into a new season. It is fall and we're about to start winter very soon. And there will be some places where it is very, very cold. There will be some very cold winters. And when you don't have enough gas to keep you warm, it's going to be a very challenging time. You're not going to like it. Okay. And if there is a full blown out war, I can guarantee you if you're under the age of 35, you will be drafted. Oh no, you're not going to go there voluntarily. You will be drafted. War is not fun. And war doesn't benefit anybody but the bankers. So staying on the same topic, there's an article where Sweden will not share the Nord Stream probe findings with Russia. Now, why are we playing these games? Or I should say, why is Sweden playing these games? If Russia clearly owns the pipeline, why won't Sweden share the results of its investigation? So the Swedish authorities say they have found evidence that points to sabotage. Russian President Vladimir Putin Putin has said that Moscow already knows who the main beneficiary of the attack is. Speaking to journalists on Monday, Anderson explained that in Sweden, our preliminary investigations are confidential, and that, of course, applies in this case. The Swedish economic zone is not a territory that Sweden dis- disposes of. So they're just they're playing games. They're playing games. I don't know what's what the deal is, but it was clearly sabotage. And they're provoking Russia big time. There really is only so much that somebody can tolerate. And I'm pretty sure Putin has a limit, a, a real, real low limit at this point. But I also think that he's being strategic and I'm certain that he's working with the Chinese president on something. and It's not going to be good. Continuing on with the news in Europe. Trust least, that's such a weird title. Trust is the least popular UK PM in history. Britain's new leader even managed to surpass her predecessor's worst records a poll has found. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I don't really think anybody wanted her in, in office as prime minister. And the fact that she had this rhetoric of saying she would go to war With Russia, I knew she wasn't qualified, but she may be qualified in the eyes of the military industrial complex and the bankers and the elites and so forth. But uh, she's not uh, she's not doing well. She only has a 16 percent approval. 16 percent. That's horrible. Now, last week in Germany, they had a massive railway disruption. So damaged communication cables halted traffic for nearly three hours in the northern part of the country. And this is just becoming the norm where our technologies are being hijacked or they're being disrupted and people are stranded. People don't know what to do. 
Next thing you know, there will be some hit cyber attacks against the banks. Quote, I, should, I should put that in quotes. Quote, cyber attacks, unquote. They may not be from real hackers who are trying to bring down the banks, but it will come from within the banks. They will pull the trigger and make it seem like there was a cyber attack that wiped out your savings and your personal accounts, all your assets, all of that is gone. Now, the reports are saying that France is not doing so well. France orders striking oil workers back to refineries amid unbearable gas station shortages. So this is where you need to use discernment and determine if things are really that bad. I don't know the magnitude of sort of the 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 effects of the gas shortages in France, but what I can tell you is that there is an energy crisis happening, a, a an orchestrated energy crisis in Europe. I could be wrong here, but a lot of European nations, if they haven't jumped onto the bandwagon of the new green deal, they use diesel. And we all know that diesel is very expensive. So with these gas shortages and the type of fuel that is needed to run these vehicles, I mean, it's expensive. It's really expensive. So this was in the CBS News. France Premier ordered striking oil workers back to their refineries on Wednesday as long lines persisted at gas stations across the country. Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne told France's parliament that the situation had become unbearable in some parts of France as drivers lined up for hours and many gas pumps ran dry. If there is something that you can do, and that is you need to keep your gas tank full. Don't ever let it get to empty. Not in these times. You know, those days are gone. You keep your gas tank full. It will get to a point where people will start siphoning gas from vehicles that are just lying idle. But you need to ensure that you never run out of gas because if you need to get out of the city or you need to get out of a location, a very dangerous location, you need to be able to reach over 150 miles. Two more alarming pieces of news coming out of Europe. Kiev introduces rolling power blackouts. This is something that they've been talking about for many months now. I'm I'm pretty convinced that it's going to it's going to happen probably this winter beginning of next year. And then finally, Pfizer. Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Biden had had a Freudian slip by saying that COVID was over. However, the lawsuits are still flying and Pfizer is still being investigated and rightfully so because there have been many people who have died, many more who've been injured and the majority of people don't even know what's going to happen to them in five years. These individuals took an experimental vaccine unbeknownst to them, but Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson, they knew what they were doing. So Pfizer was in the news and a representative said something that was 
you know, it, it could be shocking to you if this is new to you, but it was so insensitive to the fact that there have been people who have been saying the same thing for the past two years, maybe a little bit longer than that, and they were vilified or ostracized, lost their jobs, uh, etc. So you're going to hear it from the horse's mouth. So listen to this. Waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanisation before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. You want to know what's sickening? She chuckled while she was responding. She thinks this is amusing. But you know what? These people think that they are not going to get caught. They don't think that they're going to get persecuted. They better be lucky. And I'm not wishing violence on anyone, but they better be lucky that people, the majority of people don't find out and find out where they live because there are going to be a lot of angry people, very angry people at their doorstep. And, and hey, you know what happens when there are angry crowds? You know what happens? So... This to me is absolute disrespect. I mean, her attitude, but the response, the fact that they knew blatantly that they didn't test it, that shouldn't be new to anybody here, but it will be new to those who are watching CNN or MSNBC, like anything in the, in the mainstream media. Mainstream media is not going to disclose this. It's, it's really unbelievable where we are right now. And, you know, there are still some people taking the boosters. There are still some people. It may not be a lot, but there are still people taking booster shots. On top of that, the flu shot. All right. So that is just a microcosm of what's going on in Europe. But, of course, those were the big news items. We're going to move to the Asian Australian region. Now, India has this 21-day banking holiday. Nobody should be happy to hear those words, banking holiday. Now, I had to do a little research to see if India has ever had a 21-day banking holiday in its past, and it's never happened. They've had a couple banking holidays for this time of month, but never 21 days. So... To me, this sounds like they may be testing something out. I mean, can you imagine trying to go to the bank and out of 30 days, out of a 30-day month, 21 of those days, they're closed. I'm telling you, these are dry runs. They're doing dry runs to see what they can get away with. Now, in New Zealand, they decided to institute a oh god they started to institute an eco-friendly tax scheme to 
address local farmers. And the new plan is a tax cow fart plan. I'm not kidding you. Yeah, Jacinda, I'm not the one that's saying this, but there are a lot of people saying horse face Jacinda, okay? Jacinda, the prime minister, has announced a proposal Tuesday morning saying the plan is the first of its kind. Yeah, it's definitely the first of its kind ever attempted and would put New Zealand on track to hit its targets to reducing methane emissions over the next decade. People are so stupid, but at the same time, they know exactly what they're doing. They're going to destroy the economies. They're going to starve people out. What happened in the Netherlands, they fought back. The farmers were fighting back. I hope in New Zealand, they do the exact same thing. Okay, so we have some Middle Eastern news. We do. There's always news, but it's just sometimes they don't make its way to the surface. There have been ongoing protests happening in Iran, if you were not aware. Now, the Iranians have been protesting regarding the economics and political situation, just like many other nations uh, across the globe. Now, the problem here is that women started protesting alongside with the men, which is very unusual, especially in these Muslim nations, very unusual. But the women came out and they started protesting along with the men, alongside with the men, because they were fed up with the conditions. What happened recently was that, unfortunately, Some young teenagers were killed. They were girls. They were killed. And it caused such an uproar that it is causing more instability and conflict in Iran. So now these protests have been happening for a little over a month. We need to continue watching what's happening in Iran. I know there have been other nations that have either collapsed in some some shape or form, uh, their leader fled the nation or there was some type of destabilization that took place. But Iran, we definitely need to pay attention to, may not be getting enough attention, but it's sort of the domino effect, okay? If they overthrow their government over there, then it's a, it's a clear indication that it's going to be Similar to the Arab Spring. I wouldn't say exactly, but very, very similar. Now what's going on in Canada? All right, we're going to move to Canada. I didn't have any South American news that I wanted to report on here. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of things happening there. I mean, they're just suffering. They're suffering just like everybody else in Canada. Recently, as of end of September, Canada removed the vaccine mandate. That was such a surprise. It was a big deal, but they're still enforcing vaccines on the children, in schools, at the hospitals. But they've removed the vaccine mandates at the border. So for anyone who wants to travel to Canada, then you now have the ability to and you don't have to show your papers. (laughs) Can you imagine that I'm saying that in this day and age, show your papers? However, Canada, or at least the prime minister, never mentioned this. I mean, there was like probably a, a short or, or small blimp of a news 
that was circulating. Uh, it was quietly announced, but they really didn't talk about it. It clearly is long overdue, long overdue. And then one more piece of news regarding the vaccine. Elias Theodoro, who was a Uf- former UFC fighter, died at the age of 34. That's really young, but he did take the vaccine. And apparently he died from stage four liver cancer, which is horrible. Any type of cancer, any form of it is horrible. But at 34, that's really young. Very, very young. Too young. Okay. He admitted he didn't want to take the vaccine, but he did. And we know that the vaccine can accelerate cancer cells, increase them, I should say, and accelerate the cancer itself. It's... I'm not saying that he died as a result of the vaccine, but there is a link and there's enough evidence to say so. So unfortunately, you know, my condolences go out to the family. It seemed like he was a really good guy, but it seems like this is just the normal way of life. People are just dying really young for no apparent reason. All right, we've come to the U.S. news U.S. News. What's happening? What's going on? What's the tea? What is circulating in the news, right? What's in the news cycle? Well, the Supreme Court is back, you know, after a long break. You know, it must be nice to have a permanent job, a permanent job for life. You can never be fired. You can make as many mistakes as you you'd like and you would never be fired. They have great salaries too, but they're back. And there are some very interesting cases that are on the docket. And I'm just going to play this clip by Dinesh um, D'Souza because he does a better job of explaining what is going to be occurring. I don't know, in the next couple of weeks, maybe before the midterms election, you never know how these cards are played. But Dinesh describes two particular cases, one being affirmative action. I know that that's a hot button one. I mean, if if the abortion thing was not triggering enough, if there is a change to affirmative action, I am telling you it it is going to be chaos. And, you know, I'm I have my thoughts on it as well. I don't really think it's benefited in today's age. But you know, that's just my my opinion. But let's just listen to what Dinesh has to say regarding two particular cases, affirmative action and voting rights. I want to talk about uh, a couple of really big cases that are coming up this fall. Cases that are, well, I don't know if they're of comparable significance to Dobbs. In some ways they are. They're in other areas. The first one is uh, voting rights. And um, now the Supreme Court appeared to be moving against us when uh, North North Carolina Republicans made an emergency appeal to the court and basically said that, look, judges in North Carolina and at the appellate level are blocking us from being able to redistrict in North Carolina. And they're just declaring that that our redistricting is uh, disadvantages Democrats, so they're not going to stand for it. But uh, since it is within the legislative authority at the state level to draw these districts, what's the big deal? We're doing what we are constitutionally empowered to do. We can draw districts. The Democrats draw districts in blue states. 
And the Supreme Court refused that emergency um, request. But the court did take the case for, for a full hearing coming up this fall. And the reason that's significant is if they granted the emergency request, it would only apply to North Carolina. But by taking the case, in some ways, they're setting us up for a much bigger win. And a bigger win is a nationwide a declaration or interpretation of the Constitution that basically says that the authority for uh, determining local elections, uh, the, the, the authority for conducting an election, drawing the district, setting up the rules that govern the election. By the way, we're not just talking about local elections or state elections. We're also talking about all elections, including presidential elections at the, at the national level as well. This authority resides with the legislature of the states. Now, the left is trying to, um, uh, is, is warning that this is dangerous and so on dangerous. This is actually in the Constitution and the way that it was originally done. So this would be nothing more than a restoration. The other important case, which I'm just going to touch upon, is the affirmative action case. We have had racial preferences embedded in, in our law really going back now 40 years. Uh, it's reached a terrible point where even though uh, the 14th Amendment talks about equal rights under the law, even though the Civil Rights Acts, and we're talking about the Civil Rights Act and then supplemented by the Voting Rights Act, the Fair Housing Bill, um, all of these laws um, are written in non-discriminatory language. You cannot discriminate based on race weirdly, they have been interpreted to mean that you can and must discriminate based upon race. And, and this is not simply some kind of intellectual interpretation. You have practices throughout the country at the level of um, schools, at the level of university admissions, at the level of graduate schools, at the, uh, in the assignment of scholarships and awards, in job hiring, sometimes in job promotion, in government contracting. So racial preferences have become um, omnipresent in our society and they need to be rooted out. And so this, these important cases, there really are two, a Harvard case, a University of North Carolina case before the Supreme Court uh, offer an opportunity to take on affirmative action, to recognize that affirmative action is actually affirmative injustice. And perhaps let us hope to get rid of it. Very controversial, very controversial. I'm telling you, I don't know what is going on with the Supreme Court, but uh, people are going to get really, really triggered this coming couple weeks, I should say. <laughs> it's it's going to be very interesting. And I'm just going to sit back and watch because I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to be emotional. I'm going to see how people react. I'm going to be a bystander. I'm just going to witness everything that happens. We saw the changes in, in the abortion laws. And quite frankly, I don't think a lot of women cared about that. There were some who were such avid feminists. They were just, I don't know, like having mental breakdowns, like thinking that this was going to be the 1800s. It's like, dude, you still have the ability to go get a plan B at a CVS or a Walgreens. You have birth control. What the hell are you bitching about? Anyway, we're going to see what uh, what cards are played the next couple weeks. Very, very interesting. Now let's read through a couple headlines here. White House unveils a new security strategy. 
The White House has released the first national security strategy of Joe Biden's presidency, replacing an interim version adopted in March 2021. Presenting the document on Wednesday, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, who is not qualified for the job, but that's just my opinion, described the, quote, decisive decade to come embodying two fundamental challenges competing to shape the the future of international order. Hmm. It's a very interesting choice of words and addressing transnational challenges like terrorism, climate change and pandemics. The policy codifies the current strained relationships between the U.S., Russia and China in a way critics have argued sets the stage for a new Cold War. I wouldn't say Cold War, I'd probably say a, a, a world war. Deeming, quote, powers that layer authoritarian governance with a revisionist foreign policy to be Washington's most pressing strategic challenge. These people are just enablers. That's all I'm going to say. They're enablers and they have no idea what they're doing. Now, I can't believe this is happening in Tennessee. For those of you who aren't aware, I moved to Tennessee, left the crazy ass DC area. Sometimes I miss it, but I can't believe this is happening here in Tennessee as well. Top Medical Center pauses trans surgeries on kids. Yes, the Transgender Health Clinic at Tennessee's Vanderbilt University Medical Center has paused gender surgeries for patients under the age of 18, according to a letter sent by the institution's chief health system officer to state a representative on Friday. So this happened last week. What happened was that there was, I guess, I don't know, a panel, an individual who was bragging about how much money is taken in, how much, how much money they make off of doing these type of procedures. And there was a video that was circulating. Well, this video went viral and all hell broke loose. This was never about helping kids. I don't know how many times I have to repeat this. This agenda, the LGBTQ agenda that is being hijacked by certain globalists, um, maybe even George Soros. Who knows? He could be in there too because he definitely had his hand in the Black Lives Matter uh, organization. This agenda is to groom children, to destroy their innocence, and to make sure that they are not able to reproduce. When you cut off a young girl's breasts or you remove her uterus she is no longer able to reproduce if you cut off the testicles of a man or I should say a young boy he will not be able to reproduce I just don't understand how people can't recognize that but here they are boasting about making so much money off of these young teens agony and depression uh they're just their mind is still impressionable and they're looking for a way to be happy and these predators come to them and say that you know what maybe you should change your gender that's going to make you happy 
and you can't reverse that decision. But, you know, this is slowly being exposed one day at a time. We see that it's a moneymaker, but it's also a nefarious agenda to destroy humanity and destroy the innocence of children. White House changes drone strike policy. Mm -hmm. The new policy does not apply to combat operations in Iraq and Syria, which remain classified as war zones. But the policy has revised its statement on counterterrorism, drone strikes outside of war zones in an effort to minimize casualties. I don't know what that means. I would need to read the documents, but that's what they're saying. They are setting these new rules to limit military commanders' autonomy regarding targeted killings outside of war zones. Okay. Okay. But I don't know what that truly means. PayPal introduces a new reason for fines and bans and then reversed their decision. (laughs) So the payment processor was going to slap violators with a 2,500 penalty at its sole discretion for posting misinformation. Now, the thing that I want to comment about this, many people used to ignore the terms of, of use, the privacy policy, all of that used to be ignored because it was all written in sort of legal speak, all right? Attorneys would write that. But people didn't know what they were actually sharing when they used certain apps or or software. Now we have people who are very, very keen and pay attention to these things. And I'm really happy about that because I used to be the only person in my circle and maybe for many, many circles reading certain terms, reading it was so lengthy. I would want to get over it, but I read it because I wanted to know what data was being collected. What were they actually doing with the information and how could they possibly punish you if you were to violate their terms? Well, people are getting smart. They thought they, meaning PayPal, thought that they could sneak this in without letting people know. (laughs) And it didn't work. So I'm glad people are becoming more aware of these terms and reading it word for word and exposing these companies. New York City declares a state of emergency. You know, I thought it was a sanctuary city. And now they can't support these migrants who are being bussed into these major cities. Well, you know what? This is what happens. You know, we, we've been warning that there needs to be some vetting. This, there needs to be a formal process of coming into the United States, which it exists, but it no longer exists because the border is wide open. And now Eric Adams, which his track record is so horrible at this point. I just don't know if New Yorkers are even aware of it, but his track record is really bad. It sucks. You know, he hasn't even been in office for a year, I guess. It hasn't been a year goodness well he has just declared a state of emergency what are they going to do they're going to put them to work they're going to try and work with employers and and use this free labor under the table i will say that at least the migrants are able to stay in new york city unlike the migrants who were bused to the you know martha's vineyard 
and the locals shipped them back out. Unbelievable. Just (laughs) a bunch of hypocrites. Absolutely a bunch of hypocrites. So we are reaching the end of this episode. There are two big items that have definitely rocked the internet. And I don't know what level, like depth, I'm going to get into these two topics uh, because I could go on for quite some time, but I wanted to touch on it. So the first topic is Kanye West, White Lives Matter. And it is about time that white Americans stand up for themselves because they've been vilified. They have been run through the dirt. The black community has, again, been manipulated to think or at least have a group think that they are being hunted down like animals. Now, I know that the justice system is still garbage, okay? It is absolute garbage. The thing is, many, many African-American men are not being held accountable or at least going to jail. Their, Their bail is met. They are back on the streets. What Kanye West was trying to promote was really the idea that Black Lives Matter is an organization that is not even a legitimate organization. It is funded by George Soros. And I have a fantastic clip that I wanted to play regarding a particular rapper called Lord Jamar. Love the guy. And he was doing an interview with Vlad. And the way that he summarizes this whole idea of this racial tension, Black Lives Matter and so forth, I think he he does a, a really good job doing it. And he, of course, he's a black man. And he does not think like the rest of the African-Americans because it's just this mentality that we have to stick together. We have to vote Democrat. We have to destroy our communities in order for us to survive. That is so counter to being alive, being a survivor. Mm -hmm. It looked like he, I don't know, man, like, I don't know. I just thought that was weird shit. And I'm not no Black Lives Matter supporter. Like, You're not? You know, no, absolutely Why not? not? Because it's not our movement. This is a movement that was given to us by, you know, George Soros and his fucking boys. Um, because they saw how things were going and they didn't want it to go back to the 60s to where we start having our own organic movements. That was a big fucking problem for them. So let's give the people a movement that we can control. We'll provide them the leaders and all of this type of shit. And um, yeah, that's what Black Lives Matter is. Look at the leaders of Black Lives Matter. Are there leaders of Black Lives Matter? Who? Look at these lesbian women who are trying to incorporate, you know, LG, whatever the fuck the letters are, incorporate those, their concerns into Black people's concerns. Go to the website. Look it up. Google George Soros and Black Lives Matter. See what comes up. Suck it up. Okay. Um, And not and you know, y'all out there. George Soros is a fucking multi-billionaire down with 
you know, some of the 12 raised, richest people in the fucking He raised world. $100 million. Yep. For the Black Lives Matter Coalition. The funding come in addition, comes in addition to more than $33 million in grants from top Democratic Party donor George Soros. Okay, here we go. That's not what that is about. That's about, let us give you a movement that we can control, use certain symbolism from <clears throat> the original civil rights movement, like the black, you know, red, black, and green, all these different symbols. We're gonna incorporate that, but only it's gonna be a movement that we control, we decide what the messages are, we decide what the slogans are. You know, what happened to no justice, no peace, and you know, no peace, no justice. Now it's uh, hands up, don't shoot, fucking I can't breathe, and all these negative affirmations that, you know, who made that shit up? You know what I mean? Wasn't me, you know? And, and, and like, we're living in a, in a time of great social engineering, <laughs> okay? Now, if y'all don't know what social engineering is, go look it up. Like, peep, there's people out there that know how to scientifically make society do what they want it to do, how they want it to be done. They're engineering how society is, should be. That's social engineering. So when we sit here and talk about, you know, things like, false evolution, you know, we say, oh, hip hop's just going that way. No, it's not. It was socially engineered to go in the way that it's going right now. You see, this Black Lives Matter is a social engineering of how a civil rights movement should move. You see what I'm saying? And this is what we have to look at. Not everything is organic. Absolutely true, 100%, everything that he said, okay? The black community, and I can't emphasize this enough, is the beta test for everything else. You see how it's been destroyed. You see how their minds are being manipulated. You see the group think. The minute that you deviate off the, quote, plantation, it's not the so-called masters who are going to put you back in line. It's your own colleagues, your family, you know, your friends. Uh, just anybody in your circle, they're going to try and put you in your space. And, you know, white Americans saw this too when they decided to vote for Trump, or at least some people wanted to vote for Trump and their own family members disowned them. It's the same tactic, absolutely same tactic. So the whole white lives matter thing shouldn't even be controversial, but it is. And a lot of people are missing the point. So now Kanye West apparently... He lost his account with J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan, uh, Chase Bank decided they didn't want to, they didn't want to do business with him anymore. This also segues into the topic regarding Alex Jones and the verdict that came out this past week. Regardless of how you feel about the guy, whether you love him, you hate him, you think he is controlled opposition, it doesn't matter. What took place? is literally setting a standard unless if he goes through the appellate courts and they knock it down and say that this is absolutely absurd, which it is, right? 900 and was it 956 or 965 million? I don't know what the figure is, but it was almost a billion. If you're not familiar with what happened, the Sandy Hook shooting that took place in Connecticut 
um, involved many, un- unfortunately, many children who lost their lives. And Adam, a young, I think he was 18, 19, I don't know, he was young, uh, was the shooter. And he, quote unquote, died, committed suicide. Now, people speculated back then if that was even a true event. And I remember this. I remember people going online and comparing the pictures of the children to a specific photographer who would take pictures of crying babies. The same photographer uh, did the cover album for Gwen Stefani's, um, I think it was her second album. So if you look up who the photographer was for that second album, you'll see the work that this individual has done in the past regarding crying babies. So this idea that a lot of these children didn't exist, they weren't real, they didn't die, really started picking up momentum. And I guess Alex Jones, Alex Jones jumped onto that bandwagon and started questioning things. Now, there's nothing wrong with questioning. The issue here, at least like this is my perspective, is that you have folks in the truther community who believe that nothing is real, that people don't die. And I've said this before, that in order for something to be deemed a false flag, you have to have casualties to make it real. Pearl Harbor was a false flag, okay? It had elements that FDR knew it was going to happen and he decided to let it go because it was going to benefit him and it was going to benefit the elites. But he acted as if he didn't know that the Japanese were going to bomb Pearl Harbor. They were all in it. It was a false flag. 9-11, false flag. Uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City bombing, false flag. People die, okay? You can't underestimate how the elites operate, how the military industrial complex operates, how the globalists operate, they will hurt people. They're very capable of doing that. But for some odd reason, when these operations fly in front of our face, people have the audacity to immediately say it never happened. Children didn't die. So that's my issue with the situation. But to get back to the verdict of a billion dollars, to me, that's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So this wasn't about family members who were hurting. We know that they are vulnerable, but we also know that they're not clear as to what the true agenda is. They were told that they need to remove Alex Jones from the discourse, and they think that's a good idea. But you need to understand how law works. When you set a precedent, and this judge is setting a precedent that anybody can sue anyone for defamation, And it can be for a ridiculous amount. This is absolutely insane. This was an attack on free speech, period. That's what it was. A billion dollars. A billion dollars. And we're still here talking about Pfizer. Pfizer, who has killed more people and will continue killing more people. And yet they are not being put through court. I know people are going to say that's not even a fair comparison. No, it absolutely is. Did Alex Jones kill anybody? No, he questioned the narrative. Now, if you're wrong, you're wrong. If you're right, you're right. 
it was a defamation lawsuit. I've never heard of a defamation lawsuit for a billion dollars. And even worse, he is being told that he needs to pay for pain and suffering from the past and in the future. To plaintiff Jacqueline Barton, A, defamation slash slander damages past and future, $10 million. B, emotional distress damages past and future, $18,800,000. Total fair, just, and reasonable damages to plaintiff Jacqueline Barton and against Alex Jones and Free Speech Systems at line A and line B, $28,800,000. B, emotional distress damages past and future, $32,600,000. Total fair, just, and reasonable damages to plaintiff Mark Barton and against Alex Jones and Free Speech Systems at line A and line B, $57,600,000, initialed by juror number one. D, emotional distress damages, past and future, $41,600,000. Total fair, just, and reasonable damages to plaintiff. That's my problem. Where are these figures coming from? They know that the man's not going to be able to pay a billion dollars. What were the families thinking? I mean, okay, let me let me back up a little bit. They are in pain, and I understand that nobody wants to be stalked. Nobody wants to be told that your child never died. People don't want uh, fans or whatever coming to your door harassing you. I get it. I get that. But apparently the families took the gun manufacturer, I think it's Remington, to court. They received money. Apparently, they sued Adam's mother. They received money. So what is going on here? What's really going on? Because there's no amount of money that's going to bring your child back. Are you being bamboozled? Are you being lied to? Or are you following the plan because you are just as angry and you want to get back at everybody. All I'm saying is that this is a ridiculous verdict. It is setting a precedent and now people can sue anybody for the simplest thing, more specifically questioning the narrative. That's the real concern here. That's really what it is. I, I I don't know what to say. I mean, again, you don't have to like the guy. You don't have to respect him. You don't have to even care about him. But understand how this is going to affect all of us. These are cases that would be used as an example for future cases. I really do pity the family. I have sympathy for them, but I pity them because they have no idea what's happening. I mean, unfortunately, I have to say this, but Connecticut is a very blue state. They just don't know what's going on. They don't know that the judge is in it. They don't understand that the attorneys are in it. You know, and maybe this is this is how people are going to learn. We're going to look back at all of this and we are really going to ask, how the hell did we let these things slip through? I could probably talk about this much longer, but I really wanted to keep it light and it just state my point, be succinct.
I'm just saying that this is a very, very dangerous precedent. If they, if it goes to the appellate courts and they reject the decision, fine, great. If they uphold the decision, there's going to be a problem, a big, big problem. But, you know, Alex is not going to pay a billion dollars. He doesn't have a billion dollars. Who has a billion dollars and operates an operation like that? And I I understand the pain of, of wanting to keep a company going. You've built it from the ground up and now it's being destroyed by external forces. I get it. I totally get it. Well, you guys, I've really gone into depth for this episode and, you know, I'm don't want to make these things two hours. Like, I don't know if anyone has an attention span for two hours, but unless the content is good, right? Or if you are Joe Rogan, I really don't want to make them two hours because I'm such a stickler for time. But I just know that there's a lot to discuss. And especially when I've been out for a couple weeks, you know, things pile up. But once again, I hope you've learned a lot and you are doing any preparation for the future. I hope you do have that in mind. But as always, I'm going to end this episode. Wish you all the best. Stay vigilant. Love you all. And I will speak to you in another episode. All right. Bye, guys.